This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Amen. That says all of it, doesn't it? If it weren't for grace. Amen. The topic for tonight is hope in crisis. You know, the world is facing more and more crisis as we go along. And um, we need to help everyone to understand that there's hope in crisis. Tonight our topic is entitled, The Promise of Redemption and Restoration from Crisis. So let us take a moment and bow our heads together. Father in heaven, thank you that we have hope in crisis. And Jesus is the center of that hope. And so bless us now as we look at your word we pray in Jesus' name, amen. What is a crisis? Crisis is defined as a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. And there are various types of crisis. The first type is of the managerial type, and this includes natural disasters, technical technological crises of confrontation, acts of malevolence, misplaced management values, and of course, acts of deception. And there are five types of crisis that families face. The uh, screen is not advancing. Okay, you can't see it, but I can't. Okay, there we go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, and uh, there's five types of family crisis, death of a close family or friend, divorce, serious illness, personal injury, and environmental disasters like we're facing now in the state of Florida with Hurricane Eon. And then you have some examples of mental health crisis, which is at record levels in the world today, which include depression, trauma, eating disorders, alcohol, substance abuse, self-injury, and suicidal thoughts. And then the last major type of crisis is spiritual crisis. Spiritual crisis is accompanied with feelings of anger, hopelessness, depression, anxiety, difficulty sleeping, feeling abandoned by God, questioning the meaning of life, questioning beliefs or sudden doubts about religion. But the reality is, is that God has victory in every crisis. Amen? And as a matter of fact, the Bible points out seven steps for those who want to overcome crisis. See, the seven Bible steps are found throughout the Bible and are born out in the lives of countless believers from time immemorial who faced crisis. Crisis is not new. 
And God has proven through the scriptures and through the experience of Christians and others today that God can solve our crises. Now, we're going to look at some prerequisites just now uh, for these seven steps. These are prep things that we need to understand and that must be preceded for the solving of the seven steps. And I want you to notice with me, the first uh, prerequisite is that God has our best interests in mind. God loves us and God wants us to know that he cares and he has our best interest in mind. He says in Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord has appeared of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. See, the God of love has our best interest in mind. Again, in Isaiah 46.10, the Bible says this, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. See, God knows what is best. We don't always get what we want, do we? But if we trust God, he knows what is best. One author puts it this way. He says, sometimes God does not change the situation because he is trying to change our heart. And so we must understand that God knows what's best. Again, John Pfeiffer puts it this way. He says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them. And so God is working through all and in all. God knows what's best. The next prerequisite is that God has a greater purpose than what we may see. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. One version says a future. God is interested in you and your future. See, God has a greater purpose. Psalm 27, 1, 13, and 14 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What would I have become of me? Had I not believed that I would see that the Lord's goodness is in the land of the living, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. See, God has a greater purpose than just the things we may see from day to day. Helen Keller puts it this way with this greater purpose. She says, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. God has a greater purpose, and that greater purpose is revealed in his will. 
Again, one anonymous author puts it this way, God's promise isn't that he'll keep bad things from happening, it's that he'll be there if they do. And so God is with us in the midst of crisis and in the midst of suffering. Billy Graham puts it this way, with God's greater purpose, God has given us two hands, one to receive with and the other to give with. And so we know that God has a greater purpose, not just our own wills and ways. See, God is always there. Psalm 37 Verse 17 through 19 says this, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. God has promised. Now your deliverance might not come today, but it will come. See, the reality is everybody's going to be healed. Everybody that loves the Lord, if not on this side of eternity, on the other side. So we can trust the Lord. We can trust him in all that he does. Jeremiah 46, 28 says this, Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, says the Lord, for I am with you, for I will make a full end of all the nations, whether I have driven you, but I will not make a full end of you, but I will correct you in measure, yet I will not leave you wholly unpunished. Because there's times when we're disobedient, there's times when things come upon God's people, but we can understand that God is always there. See, God is always there, and if God is all you have, you have all you need. See, God is everywhere, so pray anywhere. See, God is always there, whether we feel him or not. And then the next concept we need to remember as a prerequisite is God wants us to support others. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so God wants us to support others. Dave Willis puts it this way. He says, don't treat people the way they treat you. Treat people the way God treats you. And so if we do that, we can be assured that God will be doing it. But we worry and we fret. We fret. One anonymous author puts it this way. He says, if you're praying about it, God is working on it. And so if you're touching the heart of God, he is changing circumstances. Not always the way we want, but the way we need. God is too wise to do wrong. See, there is a place for those in crisis. Jeremiah 18 tells us so. The story of the potter. The potter that makes the pot. The word of the Lord in Jeremiah 18 verse 1 says this, came from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house 
and there where I'll cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and beheld and wrought the work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. potter. So he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the hand of the potter, so you are in my house, in my hand, O house of Israel. See, the reality is God, if we're his people, he's molding us, he's shaping us, he's squeezing us, he's pulling us, he's soothing us, and he's comforting us. God is too good to make a mistake. Amen. One author puts it this way. He says, I've got your baggage. Now follow me. And so the reality is Jesus is there for us. He's the center of our hope. Now let's look at those seven Bible steps as we said, the seven steps are found throughout the Bible and are born out in the lives of countless believers from time immemorial who faced crisis. See, step one is we must have confidence that God can bring us personal victory in crisis. Romans 8:37 says this, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men all these things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, the Lord has no limitations. He's only limited by his ethics and his morality. See, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27 tells us that we must have confidence that God can bring us personal victory. Helen Keller, again, one of my favorite authors, she says, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. See, the issue is, who are we going to be? Are we going to be a victor or are we going to be a victim? God wants us to be victorious in this world. See, we must have confidence that God can bring us personal victory in crisis. Step two, we must submit to God's will. The Bible says this, trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and truly shall you be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. God will bring it to pass. If we commit to him, we know that he will do what's best. Step two, we must submit to God's will. One anonymous author puts it this way. He says, when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, you can let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. 
And so I choose to let it strengthen me, amen? Because the God of heaven is a strong tower where we can run into. Step three, we must believe that we will have divine help in our struggle and crisis. Matthew 26, 53, think you that I cannot now pray my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Psalm 91, 11 says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. See, God can keep us and we must believe that we will have divine help in crisis. Psalm 46, 1 through 5 says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Amen. So God tells us that we will have divine help in crisis. Step four, we must allow God's word to change the way we think. See, some of us have stinking thinking. And so we want to learn that God has a better way. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to know God's will. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, God wants to make us new. Amen. Charles Swindoll puts it this way. He says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. So how are we going to react? Are we going to react in victory or are we going to react the wrong way? Step five is we must ask for the Holy Spirit and allow the power of God to change us. See, we need changing. We need help in our lives. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. So, step five, we must ask for the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8 tells us this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, the Holy Spirit calls us to make a change, then gives us the power to overcome all obstacles. God will help us in crisis. God will help us. Step six, we must remember that the victory has been won already by Jesus, and we are the benefactors. Amen? I know that's, that's not as you see it there. <laughs> I'd love that when I find 
It says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and, it, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The promise that God will overcome. John, 1 John 1, 4 and 5 says this, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world, amen? And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So we are overcomers and God will help us. Henry Ford puts it this way. He says, obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off your goal. So what is our goal? See, we must remember that the victory has been won already by Jesus, and we are the benefactors. Praise the Lord. Step seven. We must remember that any victory we gain in crisis is the work of God and not of ourselves. Hosea 1.7 says this, But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by the bow, nor by the sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. See, we're saved by the God of heaven, we're saved by he himself. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this, but thanks be to God which gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'd like to end tonight with a story about a very special lady that I met. As a pastor, we get follow-up leads from one of our media organizations called It Is Written. And a card came to me from a lady named Miriam. Now, Miriam is not her uh, true name. I've kept her name hidden for various reasons. And Miriam, when I received the card, I went to knock on the door because she had asked for several different types of media uh, free giveaways, books, and uh, Bible guides, and so on. And so as I knocked on the door, the person came to the door, and all of a sudden I heard, she had a chain attached to the door. And she said, who is it? I said, well, my name is Pastor Steve Verse, and I'm with It Is Written. And... Uh, I've come to give you your guides that you requested. And she said, well, I don't let people in my house. I said, well, you requested the guides. Please let me do this. Let me give you the first guide, and then I'll come back next week. And so I left her the guide, and I came back the next week and uh, knocked on the door, and I heard the chain on the door. I said, Miriam, it's Pastor Steve, I'm back. She said, I enjoyed that guide. I said, well, I have another one. She said, well, I don't let people into my house. I'm afraid. And so I stuck another guide through the door and the door shut. The next week I went back and I said, Miriam, I'm back again. 
I said, I've got another guide. She said, would you like to come in? I said, yes, Miriam, I'd be glad to come in. And when I went into Marion's house, there was blackout curtains on every window. And there was a little lamp that was on a table that was in a distant corner because Marion had set everybody out of her life. I said, Marion, how long has it been since someone's been in your house? She said, it's been about 14 years. So I left it there. And we went over the guide, and then the next week I came back. She says, would you like to come in again? I said, I would love to. And so we went in and did another guide. And each week, Marion began to change because of the Bible's influence in her life. I went one day and all of a sudden there were more lights on in the house. Then I went one time and all of a sudden there were a few blackout curtains that were taken off of the windows so the sunlight should, could come into her life. And we kept studying together. And Marion asked me questions about God and his love and, and how that all the pain she had had in her life and how she was afraid to go out and she hadn't driven a car and she didn't even go to the supermarket because she was afraid. Miriam was in crisis. And as the weeks went by, Marion's life continued to change. And toward the end of the studies, she said, Pastor Verse, I would like you to do something for me. I said, sure, Miriam, what would you like? She said, I would like to go out today. And so I took Miriam by the hand and we opened the door and the sunlight that she hadn't seen in years flowed upon her face. Miriam was coming through the crisis. And then a few weeks later, she said to me, Pastor Verse, we've been talking about Jesus a lot. I said, well, Miriam, Jesus is the means by which we have salvation and life. She says, we studied that. She says, I'd like to ask him to be my personal savior. And so that precious lady, we sat there on the porch, her in one chair and me in another, and she told God how she loved him, and she told him how she's sorry for her life. 
And she said, I accept your forgiveness and your love. Marian had come through the crisis. Then Marian called me. I was moved to another district church. And I said, Marian, we're going to keep in touch with you. And Marian wrote me a letter. And I wish I had it here today. But the gist of the letter is, Pastor Verse, I'm going back to work today. I can go outside and I can do my normal activities and I am free from the crisis in my life. This lady that was a recluse, this lady that was closed off from all activity, the gospel had reached her heart. And the seven steps that I shared with you is the path that Miriam walked. Now, as Pastor Rose said, I am the disaster response coordinator for the Southern District. And we see crisis all the time. And we're not talking about the clinical standpoint and all of that tonight. We're talking about God's Word. How that God has supernatural power to help us in our lives. And the clinical may be a part, but I know the spiritual is one of the most important parts. So if you're in crisis, turn to God. Turn to God's Word. Because God has help for those who are in crisis. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that you are in control of all things. And Lord, we live in a world of sin. We live in a world that's sad. But Lord, you have promised that you and we can overcome the world. So Lord, please be with all the Miriams out there and be with all of those, even some who may be Christians that are discouraged and in crisis. Help us always to know that we can turn to you. So we ask your blessing in these things and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.